Fast Track Podcast, hosted by Dion Ross, Nick Nino's Corner Battle, and Dr. Harrison Jones, the fourth. Welcome to the Fast Track Podcast, where we are removing roadblocks to put you on the fast track to greatness. I'm your co-host, Dion Ross. I'm here with my fellow co-host, Mr. Nick Nino's Corner Battle, and the one and only Dr. Harrison Jones. Today's topic is important. We are talking about education and what is broken in the education system today. We're very lucky because we've got a great person here uh, to weigh in on the subject, Dr. Harrison Jones, who just completed a book called I Used to Hate School. So we're gonna hear from him first and then we're gonna get this conversation started. Tell us about your book, Dr. Jones. Well, well first of all, thank you, Dion. Um, beautiful Dion Ross, uh, coach extraordinaire, fitness extraordinaire. Um, I couldn't have had a better introduction, but I want to talk about what we're, the, the subject of today's matter is what's broken in our system. And I could go on for hours. I can go on for years about what is actually broken in our system, but it really boils down to one simple factor relationships we have become so disconnected as educators from reality with our students that we don't understand what actually connects us and the reason why our students come to school and what is their purpose what are they doing to come see us as educators and the fact that we have to continuously harp on constant with the fact that you need to build a relationship i mean we have simple examples and i and this is a very primal example i guess for people that might pay attention to pop culture karate kid mr miyagi had to be friends with danielson in order to get some stuff done they had to have a relationship that existed outside of their practice of martial arts and pretty much comes down to being able to love your students and to completely identify with their background, their culture, and diversity. And the things that we do in our system currently don't make that any easier. We continuously set standards that are not adjusting to our students' needs or our students' levels of learning, and we continue to punish the schools that need the most help. So if we continue to punish our schools that are primarily in low socioeconomic areas. We have large minority populations, and we punish those schools for not achieving at the levels, at the standards that are set by the state, and those schools are gonna to continue to fail. And where those kids go, they end up going to the other schools and failing out and eventually dropping out. And that, and it's a system that we know, we know for fact that is broken, but as educators, we kind of live in this whole ideal where 
we got to keep doing the same thing over and over again. We got to keep doing it the same way. And we still have to have those foundational things. That if a kid acts up, we kick him out. That if the teacher does, if the kid ain't learning, that's their problem. We still got to keep those things in the play, which are totally irrelevant to today's learning. They do not work for today's student. Today's student has the world at their fingertips. Today's student is a communicator. Today's student is a creative thinker. Today's student must be innovative, must be able to think outside of the textbook. They must be able to think outside of what you have inside of the classroom. Your today's learner has to be able to think for themselves almost 100%. And we do not cater in our schools to the individual thinker. We cater continuously to those people that we want to find a good job. That is so interesting. And, and it's so true. Um, you know, I, I don't work in education. I don't really uh, work with students. But what is so daunting to me is that the way that we communicate as people has progressed so much, but the way that education is done has not changed. And you talked about this a little bit. You know, with the onset of social media, or not even social media, but just the ability for a student to access pretty much any information within the drop of a hat just by uh -huh. Googling something. There's no right. need for a lot of things that are in place these days. And so the question has to be, what are we really preparing our students for? Um, yeah. I think as we communicate differently as a society, education should also be progressing and evolving and changing the way it communicates with the students. Right. Um, because otherwise, you're just, you're, yeah, you're, again, you're teaching people how to conform. And even right. though conformity is necessary, it's the innovators that are changing the world. We've had, I would say, over the past, maybe I'd say almost, you know, 15 plus years, we've had YouTube in our lives. We've had YouTube in our, in, our kids have grown up with YouTube. The kids that are in middle school right now, early high school, have grown up with YouTube in their lives. That means that they can look up anything that they want, anytime they want. And YouTube has gotten so huge that it has everything that you need to know at, the, at your fingertips. And so the way I look at it is that we need to embrace this. Because if you say social media in a campus, if you say social media in the school, it's a bad word. Like, yeah. it's literally, like, toxic. It's toxic. The yeah. first thing teachers want to do is say, take, take their cell phones away from them. Take, they don't need to be on social media because it's, it's become the villain in education. And, I, and you'll find, yeah. You know, I think, you know, schools need to find out a, a method and a means to incorporate the social media into the classroom. You know, some of the schools that are, you know, um, I don't want to say this without, you know, like actually speaking down on, you know, other schools, but some of the schools that are in the, you know, the quote unquote better districts, they do incorporate the social media. They incorporate kids using the YouTube and the social medias and things of that nature. But these are in these, in these school districts, right. right. That have a lot right. of, uh, families that pay high tax dollars for these kids to go into these school districts. 
my uh, my thing that I think is wrong with the system is, you know, these great school districts or what we deem as great school districts, um, they have a leg up on the school districts who don't have those those certain funds that are coming in from the revenue stream and from the property taxes that are in that school district, right? You know, so my thing would be, it's just my opinion would be to take all of the uh, taxes that come in for the different school districts. And instead of, you know, uh, uh, you know, like a hundred grand going each month into this one district and oh. 10 grand going to this one district, I think all the money should be pulled together and each school should get an equal cut of funding, regardless of what district you're in, <laughs> if you're a public school, you know, and I say this because, um, with me growing up in Shreveport, Louisiana, I grew up in a primarily black neighborhood, right? Um, and the school wasn't the best of school. You know, metal detectors, mm-hmm. the whole nine. This was kindergarten, first and second grade, all right? So my mom, you know, did not want that for me, right? So she brought me to a quote unquote better school that was across the tracks, which was a predominantly white school. And um, Uh I had to go talk Uh to the principal and the principal told me that she would not let me into the school because I didn't live in that school district. And that school was so much better than the school Uh that I was going to, you know, so I pretty much begged and pleaded to go to the school. And the principal gave me, um, you know, an out and basically told me, hey, my mom lives across the street, Uh, Uh use her address and you can go to school here. So I started to go, you know, you know, to school there from second grade to fifth. She was a great principal. Miss Cox, but um, um, you know, that was I illegal as hell, but that, that's it was person. very illegal. But you know, uh, uh, I went to school there from second to fifth grade, and the difference in education that I got was completely. It was so much better than what I was getting in the neighborhood that I was in, and I figured, hey, if you can have the monetary figures go to those lower income schools. Maybe we can attract the better teachers to want to come and teach in those schools, right? Um, You know, because the facilities be better. Um, You have good books. You know, that was one thing. We didn't have great books at my old school. I mean, we had torn, raggedy books. I got to this new school. It was like new books uh, that were just brand new, open, fresh out the wrapper kind of thing, right? So um, my suggestion is that the tax dollars that come into these districts, especially to these rich districts where these, you know, I think they should be divided up between all the schools and not just sent to those schools in that district because it's not the kid's fault where he's born into. You know, that kid deserves just as good of a quality of education as a kid who was born into a great neighborhood. That's like I agree a hundred percent, but that's when it comes down to something that we all have the right to. We all got the right to vote. We all have the right to vote in our local elections because local elections, they determine property taxes. They determine what goes to the schools. We have, I mean, what I see as far as local elections, as far as school board and far as, is not a heavy attendance. Maybe it's for a presidential election, but for a regular election that deals with dealing with public everyday functioning of the city you live in, people don't show up. And they expect things to just go, just go the best way for their students, and then we complain. But I can say, for example, I know a school district very local to me. I won't name a name, but their entire school board is white, minus one person. Their whole school board is white, and the demographics of their school have 
you know, it's almost an even cut. Black, Hispanic, and Asian, and white students from all over the world. And so, not saying necessarily that just because the demographics of the staff meet the demographics of the student that the school will be successful, that is totally false. But what I am saying is that if you can relate, yeah, the relations, yeah. If you can relate to the culture and the background of a student, you have already made strides. There, are, I, hey, myself, I'm from Colleen, Texas, Fort Hood. My dad was in, in the military. My mom was a counselor. Like, I have no idea what it's like to grow up in a bad neighborhood. I don't know what it's like to grow up around gang, you know, gang situations. I don't know that. So for me to go to an urban area where that's prominent, I'm a black man and it could be a black school. But for me on paper, for me to go and teach at a urban district where there's a lot of people that are from lower economic status, that have not, you know, that are, you know, not as well off as I've been blessed to be, because I admit, I grew up very spoiled. There, I, I can't, I, I may be able to work with them, but nine times out of 10, I will still have that cultural disconnect with them because the way that I carried out things for myself is not necessarily matched with how they did things for themselves. I could walk outside and not have an issue wherever I went, you know, but I still, you know, as a human, as a person, as a black man, I would still deal with some of the cultural deficiencies, some of the cultural issues that I had to deal with. You're going to still deal with the racism. You're going to still deal with the, uh, but when somebody talks to me immediately, at first, they don't know where I'm from. Mm -hmm. They just see they don't know that I grew up at a certain place. They don't know. I have no idea how, why, people act a certain way or why there are certain divides. I didn't learn about racism fully. Like I went to Ellison High School in Colleen, Texas, which is a big, a very diverse campus. It had every, I mean, everyone that you could possibly think of. But then I went to University of Texas where there was only 1,500 students there that were black out of 50,000. That's a, hey, 1,500 is a lot of kids. But to go in a classroom where there's 600 students and three of them are black, that's a whole different experience. So you have to see that things were not the same as it was when I was at Ellison. So I had to deal with the culture shock. I had to deal with the different things issued with diversity. And one of the reasons I wrote this book that I did earlier is because I saw that there were individuals coming into the profession that were like me. They were, you know, young, smart, intelligent. I'm going to keep talking about myself. Beautiful. (laughs) You know, good guys that were about things, wanted to do things for themselves, you know. And so they were wanting to make better lives for themselves. But when you get into the profession of teaching, you walk in and nobody looks like you. Not only does nobody look like you, all the kids look like. But you and know what, so, though? That's like the majority of jobs for young black professionals in America. And it's sad. But it's especially sad when it comes to teachers because, like you said earlier, 
your teachers have to be the ones that are going to relate to you. When a kid sees, uh-huh. you know, if I were a young black kid and I saw you as the principal of my school, you know, I would feel like, you know, I have somebody who could go to bat for me because they know exactly some of the things that I'm going through and what I've been through because they've probably been through those same things themselves. Bro, I walk up to a campus, I'm going to tell you, I walk on the campus and if it's a majority black and Hispanic population and I walk on there with a suit and some Stacy's on and I'm talking to the kids, it works wonders. Yeah. I'm telling you, if you have that connection, that relatability, and I'm in one of the things that we're talking about why the system is broken is because we don't have a, and I use this as the word, a pipeline of for, for students coming out of high school. We don't have a pipeline for minorities to come from high school to college to getting in teaching. Yeah. We don't have that. Yeah. We have we have programs that don't we don't tell kids we have a building full of teachers. Like we'll have a building full of sixty five teachers, seventy teachers, and that's my that might be a small number depending on what school you're at. But we have a building of those many that many teachers. And we'll have teachers that are African American and I actually had a teacher that was an African American woman mm-hmm. and she was talking you know, she had a lot of negative things to say about her students. And it was, and she was teaching black students, but we don't have them encouraging those students to reach the, post, the post-secondary uh, uh, life, going to college, going to teaching for that matter. Yeah. Because we might have different relationships with them when they're young, but we equate that to how they're going to live when they're older and that's not that that does not there's no way that those two things coincide and so it's a it's a battle to me and i'm not the ultimate source in this why schools are failing but to me if we continue to to not provide the economic security the foundation for kids when they're coming up in middle school and high school and they're wanting to go on to college to go in and become a teacher, we don't provide them those with those foundations early on. Like, if we want more teachers that can relate to the culture of our students, we have to go to those people in our classrooms that are, hey, you just got, hey, you just went to alternative school this year, but we want to put you in the education club right here. Or we just saw that, you know, you got in trouble with, and you're an ISS a bunch of times, but you know what? The way you were able to, to get the class's attention, the way you were able to captivate them and provide reference and all this, every word you say, I want to flip that and utilize that, and you could be a teacher in a classroom. Think about all the teachers that you know now. I mean, that are African-American males. How many of them were class clowns? <laughs> you think about it. Quite how many of yeah, quite a bit of them were class clowns because they know how they know they how to, know how to control a classroom. Yeah, they know how to control a room. Yeah. yeah. They know how to get a room. I mean, if you can't as a person, if you can't get the gravitation, the gravitas for your for the whole everyone to look at you as though you are 
the man in the classroom, you are the one in the classroom, then you lost. But that's the skills that we need to teach to our kids at a young age. Instead of shunning them and saying, hey, you know, you're you're not about this. You're not about that. You know, you're, you belong in alternative school. You should go to jail. You did this. Mistakes that you did at a younger age. Or find those kids that say, hey, you have a talent. You can speak in front of everybody. You can you captivate an audience. And you should probably be a teacher. And so, yeah. you know, what I feel that, you know, and this kind of goes aside, coincides with what I talked about in the book, was that if you find the ability to make relationships or to build relationships with your students, find the love. Find the passion. Find the reason you're there. And then you'll ultimately be able to fix a broken system because you've ultimately connected with your purpose for being there, which is the kids. Most definitely. Most definitely. So awesome conversation, Doc. Uh, that wraps up episode three of the Fast Track Podcast. Um, episode four come next week. Um, great conversation. And go get his book, which is I Used to Hate School. Five Proven Principles for Success in Education. Fast Track Podcast, we're out. 5,000 pops. <laughs>